Hi everybody, this is Victor and I am going to give you a review of Dark Phoenix. I actually got to watch this movie and I have to say, um, I didn't hate it, didn't love it, but it's a whole lot better than X-Men Last Stand. So overall, before I really get into a review, I will say that this was the type of movie that will play in the background. However, I wouldn't seek it out to watch it. You know, sometimes there's movies that you don't mind looking at, even though it could be in the middle or the end or what have you. This is one of those movies I'm like, okay, you know, seen it once, that's good enough. Um, but I do appreciate the fact they try to tell you a story, but it just kind of fell flat. So let me kind of get into some of the pieces here. So overall, this movie is set in the 90s, um, 1992 exact, and X-Men are celebrated as heroes. So they have toys, they got fans, um, the government trusts them now. In fact, the president has a direct line to Xavier. Um, they are looked at as people who can really help the world. And this is a far different um, idea of the X-Men, considering that the X-Men have always been kind of a hated group. Um, they've always been discriminated against because they're mutants. And so they've always been looked at as kind of the, kind of the minorities when it comes to um, the Marvel Universe. So it's a whole different thing to see them played out this way. Also, we still have Mystique as the leader of the X-Men, um, as well as having Xavier kind of play more of a interesting role. So in this movie, he's more of like a celebrity because of the fact that, you know, this is his school, these are his students. And, you know, I think it gets a little bit into his ego about, you know, about him being so fantastic in a lot of different ways. He's a, is a little bit of Tony Stark you kind of see when you're watching this. Um, and you have Raven or Mystique who is um, kind of fascinating because it's always been hard for me to see her um, as the leader of the X-Men or a member of the X-Men considering her long history. And so it's kind of interesting to see her really play this role. In fact, her and Hank um, kind of play more of a Scott and Jean um, in this movie. And I say that because Scott and Jean were kind of the, when the new X-Men came in, when Storm, Colossus, Wolverine came in, um, Scott and Jean were the ones who were like, you know, do we still have a place here? In fact, Jean left because she felt like it's time for the live her life. In this movie, that conversation is had by Hank and Mystique about it's time for them to live their lives. They are the last two standing from, um, the last two standing from the first class. So therefore they are, you know, contemplating, you know, leaving. Interesting though, even though this is the nineties and we seen these movies back from the sixties, Hank does not look as old as all, as old as, it, as he had before. I mean, the actor who's playing him, I think Nicholas Holt is very young looking. So there's not much aging there. And so you're just like, okay, so it's hard for me that you've been around for the past. 40 years. Mystique we can get because we know Mystique in the comics has been around for a very long time. So she doesn't have to look older. But it was hard for me to kind of buy a little bit of the beast being older. Also in this movie, what I felt that kind of felt flat um, was overall the story. There was just some pieces that just didn't make sense. But before I get into this, I'm gonna try to break it down in different parts. So I'm gonna talk about the things I had issues with, things I actually enjoyed, and then, you know, just kind of wrap it up at the end. So here are the things I actually had some problems with. So again, 
I had a little bit of a problem with the fact they were treated as heroes. They were celebrities. And I also had an issue of how Xavier was kind of looking at the, his role with the X-Men. You know, I think he was enjoying the fact that they were respected. So he got a little bit into his ego. And I also wasn't a big fan of how the movie started. So we are getting an intro to how, you know, Jean learned about her powers. And it's a little disturbing because it's, it happens that, you know, she loses control and her family has a car wreck and she loses her mother. Um, but we also find out that her father survives and he gives Jean up to Xavier because he just can't handle it. Now, what has been kind of neat about Jean is Jean is one of the few who actually has her entire family. Um, when Jean is introduced to X-Men, she still has her mother and her father um, and her sister. And she, you know, was loved by her family very well. And so when we read the comics and we see how she deals with being Dark Phoenix and her family seeing this, it kind of really ups the stakes a little bit. But in this, it was kind of interesting to see how her father just gave her up, basically, because he couldn't really handle what happened. And so Xavier did some monkeying of her mind to kind of make sure that, you know, she can deal with her powers. In the comics, Jean really didn't have that as a problem. She learned how to control her powers over time. I don't like the fact that they really spent a lot of this time saying that she could never control herself. I don't like the fact that we look at, at women as, oh, I can't control myself, I can't control my powers. So I didn't like that they put that on Jean. I feel like they didn't really learn from the first run of the X-Men movies. I was hoping they give her a little bit more um, agency here. I also had some issues with how um, they kind of focus a lot on the men in this movie. So there's a lot of focus on Xavier, a lot of focus on how Scott feels, but, and a lot of feelings around Hank and what he's going through, but also Magneto, which it's always interesting to me how they love to throw in Magneto in all these movies when he really didn't have a lot to do with some of the greatest X-Men stories, <laughs> including Dark Phoenix. So I wasn't really a big fan of, of seeing um, how, you know, a lot of the focus were about the men. If you read the comic, it's always been about Gene. It's been about Gene's love for the X-Men, Gene's love for Scott, the family aspect, but also how the women have, have been kind of the big, big role players in the overall X-Men series. So just to see this still focus on the men was a little disappointing, um, but not surprising because it seems like they love to focus on the male perspective of these movies. There was a joke that um, Mystique says that how the X-Women, the team should be called X-Women because they have carried things. I feel like that's, that's true because a lot of ways the women have been a very big part of why we love the X-Men. Another issue that I had was just how the storytelling was going. There were things that just did not always click very well. Like, for example, when Jean um, did get the Phoenix Force, or the not really the Phoenix Force, the cosmic power, um, she, one minute, feels great. And she kept saying she feels good a lot in this movie. She said it a lot in this movie. But it just felt like it... How do I describe it? It just, it was like so fast. One minute she's feeling great, one minute she's not. Then she's crying because she can't control it. It was just so much happening that this didn't really kind of add up. So it, it wasn't kind of a buildup of her 
not really uh, having good ownership of her powers. She still doubts herself. And I, I just wasn't a fan of that because Jean didn't always doubt herself in the comics. When she got the Phoenix powers, she accepted it and kind of learned from it. But in this, she just kind of went back and forth, back and forth. So it was a little disappointing to see how um, quickly she just always kind of doubted herself and used that doubt to kind of, kind of fuel that power versus her confidence. Another thing that I had an issue with is how Magneto was thrown in this movie. So in this movie, Magneto is on an island um, given to him by the government. Um, and on this island are a bunch of mutants. I kind of called this island Genosha too, because <laughs> if you read the comics, Genosha is where an island of mutants, but there was kind of slaves. But here they all live in harmony and they're, you know, vegan and they growing crops and all this stuff. Jean goes to this place, something similar to what she did when um, she was out of control of her powers and last stand, she went to Magneto, she goes to Magneto here. Um, and what was interesting was the fact that when he learned that Mystique was killed, spoiler, Mystique is killed. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Um, he starts to cry and he is really heartbroken to the fact that he wants to murder Jean. Now, he wants to kill her for killing Mystique. That was very fascinating, considering that in the Days of Future Past, that entire movie was about him trying to kill Mystique. <laughs> so it's interesting because I'm like, how did you go from she was kind of a teammate to you really wanted to kill her to you want to avenge her death? It was kind of interesting to watch that. I was like, that is just really off. Especially again, not really seeing a good buildup of relationships here. And it also felt like he didn't learn from any of his mistakes. As you've, watching Magneto in a lot of these movies, he's always like, don't bother me. You bother me. I'm going to kill everybody. That has been his theme in every X-Men movie since they have rebooted it all. And it just feels like, have you not learned? Have you not learned from your mistakes? This movie, he goes like off about I'm going to go kill Gene and then set up this whole thing of how, how he's going to do that. Even kind of unnecessarily brings up a streetcar for, I still couldn't tell you why. But Magneto in this movie just felt like he was just thrown in. It wasn't really a purpose for him. And it, it just seems like he still haven't learned from his mistakes. He's still this, this, this wild card, which is not really Magneto um, that I grew up with. So, of course, I'm going to judge it from what I know of him. But it just felt like he did not learn from his mistakes. He is still, you know, doing his own thing, but it, it's always at the cost of something else. So, to be honest, I'm surprised he lived. I wouldn't have mind if he actually died. Hank, the beast. So in this movie, of course, it's interesting to see that he doesn't really age in this movie. But it's interesting to see how quickly he goes dark. So once, um, I think I already said it, Mystique is killed in this movie um, by Gene. And interesting enough, Mystique is killed um, by being thrown um, and to like against a piece of wood, a couple of pieces of wood where it kind of basically stabs her. And like three, um, kind of like in three spikes through her, which is interesting because if you remember in the first X Men movie, 
Wolverine stabbed her and she still lived. Also, if you read the comics, she's been known to be stabbed and shot, but she can kind of move her body around because she is a, a, a shape shifter. She's able to do that, but she was killed in the way that she wouldn't have died from, which is very interesting. But once she dies, Hank gets a little dark. He is going off on Xavier. He is mad. And then all of a sudden, he wants to go and get revenge on Jane. He even goes as far as going over to Genosha too to get Magneto's help to do it. So it was kind of interesting to see like, okay, you're supposed to be almost number two or number three when it comes to the X-Men. And within a moment, you become this type of dark beast, <laughs> which is a dark beast, dark beast in the comics, um, who kind of goes off and forgets everything that he's learned, everything that he that he believes to get revenge. And again, this is Jean. So this is somebody that he's known since, it was, since she was a child, and yet he felt compelled to go after her and, and, and basically have her killed. So I wasn't really a fan of how they made Hank come off in this movie. It just didn't seem like him, and it just feels like he was just being very irresponsible. Um, Interesting enough, they introduced some mutants into in this movie that had, I forgot his name, but he, his locks were like whips, which was very interesting. And I think we had Celine. Um, there was this woman who played, I, I think she did play Celine, but she had some mental powers and that's about it. Um, it was just kind of fascinating to see them, but to see that there was kind of, they were just there to die to some degree, or just be a part of the fight. So there really wasn't much character building with that. Another issue I really had with this movie was Xavier. Xavier, as I said earlier, was kind of this weird celebrity, Tony Starkish person. The minute that the mutants were accepted um, as heroes, he kind of, kind of, you know, went into this different headspace. He was big into the celebrityism of what it is to have, you know, his students as superheroes. Um, he was, you know, being champion and, you know, by the president and, you know, having soirees in his honor and all that greatness. But it felt like Xavier just wasn't the Xavier that we knew. Now we know Xavier is kind of a jerk. We know that. We know there are some problematic things about his leadership. But in this movie, it was just kind of interesting how they played him. It's as if he didn't learn anything throughout the years he's been a professor. And I also felt like that when Mystique died, he didn't really feel it as much as Hank. Now, Hank was in love with Mystique. They were somewhat a couple. But Mystique was kind of his foster sister, um, Xavier's foster sister, as you remember in first class, you know, they kind of grew up together. So it was very interesting to see, you know, how he took her death didn't really feel, I didn't really feel anything from him about that. Um, and continuing a, a little bit of, a, a little bit about how Xavier came across, it just felt like he was also reckless um, to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm questioning, I'm questioning all of your leadership here and your decision-making. Um, it felt like he was always pushing his X-Men to do things for him, but it should have been him who have made decisions um, and helped guide the X-Men. So it just felt like he was depending on them more than what we are used to seeing. 
Um, another thing was the Dabari. So the Dabari was brought into the story um, as the alien race that was trying to... Well, see, here's the thing about that. Because if you read the comics, the Dabari was the, the alien race that was destroyed by the Phoenix. Um, she, when she went in and destroyed the sun, she destroyed this planet. And so all of them died. I think there was a few that were alive. Um, but she destroyed the entire planet. In this movie, their the planet, their the planet, their planet was destroyed by this cosmic energy, uh, basically this Phoenix force. Um, and they were trying to um, bring it back, and they was hoping to get control of the Phoenix Force. Now I'm calling it the Phoenix Force, but in the movie they don't. It's just a com a cosmic force. Um, the word Phoenix actually came from a student. A student called her Jean Grey the Phoenix because she survived the space uh, rescue. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the Dabari is trying to get this cosmic force to kind of, you know, rebuild their planet. But this is where I got kind of confused. And y'all help me out, you know, let, let me know what you think about this. So they were trying to get the Phoenix Force to use to rebuild their planet. But Gene got it. So they start following Gene. And they do all of this weird, you know, body snatchers type of thing. And then they get it, but then they want to use the power to not only rebuild their planet, but to take over our planet. So it was kind of interesting to see, like, what is that? What is that supposed to be like? You, are you trying to rebuild your? Are you trying to take over this? Are you villains? Are you good people? What's what's going on here? And the fact they used the Dabari was interesting because the Dabari is not really that type of fighting race. Um, they were kind of the peaceful type of non-fighting group of people. Um, what we saw was the Fox version of the scrolls. This was more of the scrolls um, in this movie um, with shape shifting and, you know, fighting the X-Men, fighting people to kind of get this Phoenix force. Now I will give it some credit. It was interesting to see how they really use the Dabari, but the Dabari are not that type of thing. So to have them in this movie was kind of a, a little, a little bit of good, but just kind of overall, like, kind of wasteful because I felt like I didn't understand what was their purpose. You want to rebuild your planet, you want to take over our planet, what do you want to do? Um, now, their leader was Vulk, and I'm saying it wrong, but it's V U K, um, which was played by Jessica Jesting. And she um, had a look of the White Queen, so a lot of people thought that she was actually Emma Frost. Um, but she's kind of leading them here, and she wants to get a hold of this power. So at one point, she gets some of the power. And um, Xavier learns that they want that eventually they want to take over the planet. Um, there was so, some good fight scenes, um, and actually, um, when I get into the good part, you'll kind of hear a little bit more. But I felt like the Dabari was kind of misused, um, and it just kind of I guess they wanted to give us kind of a space feel because we didn't really get that from the the, the last stand. So they try to give us a little bit of space feel since we wasn't going to get. Um, the Kree or the Scrolls or um, the Imperial Guard or even, you know, the, you know, Lalandra and the Shi'ar. So we didn't get all that, but we did get this piece. So they gave us something, you know what I mean? Like they gave us something like we didn't get, you know, it's like saying, <laughs> well, you didn't get, 
you, it's almost like you got peanut butter, no jelly, or peanut butter, no bread, or something like that. It's what it felt like watching that. Um, let me see, was anything else? Yes, yeah, so Gene and Scott's relationship, I didn't really feel it. Now, they, they, were, they did a lot to make you feel like they've really been together. But it just didn't feel legit. It didn't really fall. It kind of fell flat. Um, it was hard for me to kind of really get into the character because I feel like that, or their characters, or actually them being in a relationship, um, as I said earlier, the Phoenix saga is also a love story between those two, Scott and Gene, and I think they're trying to make that happen. But it also felt like it was a lot of Scott brooding and Gene just being, I don't know how to handle myself. So it was just a lot of that type of stuff that just didn't really work for me watching this movie. Now, I'll talk about some good stuff. As I said before, this was better than The Last Stand. And I appreciate that. Um, the fight scenes were actually really decent. Um, you know, the Dabari fighting the X-Men was really neat. Um, and I really enjoyed kind of seeing how they fight. Um, they do this interesting run that was very fascinating to watch. Um, I also will say this. No fan of, of Alexandra's ship as Storm, but this was the best Storm we've ever seen in these movies. A little bit of Days of Future Past, we got some good, you know, storm action, but we really got a lot of good storm action in this movie. We got even kind of the little fun theme, you know, singing type of stuff where she's using her powers. So I will say that they really gave Storm some good pieces here. Um, and I, I was actually happy with that. Um, also, I like a little bit of how Jean used her powers. It was interesting to see how she was doing it. And I like that her hair was kind of wavy. Because if you remember in the comics, her hair was always kind of fiery and wavy when she used her powers, and it was kind of neat. So to see a little bit of that was gave me a little bit of like, you know, a little bit like, oh, a little bit of the feel. So I used to read the comic. Um, I would, really, really quick, I didn't like how she um, faulted Dabari because she kind of did the same thing with like turning them into Ash the same way she did in um, The Last Stand, but it was neat to see her fight them. And I also need to see her fight um, Volk or the Jessica Chastain character. Um, that character did get a good chunk of the Phoenix Force. So you saw um, interesting um, fight scenes with her. Um, Magneto had a very good scene, the way that he kind of fought the, the Bari, kind of flicked them off in a way that was kind of neat. But the fight scene between um, Jessica, I almost just call her Jessica, Jessica and um, Jean was really great. It gave me feels of when um, Jean fought Emma Frost for the first time, or to be honest with you, the f false Jean, because that really wasn't Jean, and who was Phoenix in the comics at that time. Um, but it gave me kind of those feels when they were fighting each other, that was kind of neat. Um, also, um, to see the Phoenix Force, the bird, that was kind of nice to see. Now, what's a disconnect is, now you remember in Apocalypse, she actually showed the Phoenix Force, but that's a big plot hole there. So it was like, you actually did it then, I guess you kind of brought it back now, or the fact that, you know, who knows? But um, it would have been neat if they would have kind of 
talked about what happened in Apocalypse to give, you know, that happened 10 years before um, that would give her the ability to do that now. But they really didn't do that part. But I do like those fight scenes and I do like how, um, I do like how they kind of explain a little bit of how that, of the Phoenix Force and what that really works. So some of that was a, was a spot on, but not as much though. Um, Again, as I said before, I don't like the fact that it just came off like she just couldn't control herself. But there was some positive pieces of how they really used the Phoenix Force. And so, um, you know, it gave you kind of an idea that, you know, Jean transcended to something else. And as you know, in the comics, she is Phoenix of the White Crown at one point. Um, so got a little bit of that from the movie. Um, trying to find anything else I really liked about it. Um, Hmm. Well, some of the guys were wearing tight shirts. <laughs> that was kind of, you know, it wasn't really a lot of good things that I can take from this movie, but I, I appreciated, I appreciated, um, you know, their attempt to really make this something else. Um, so, was this movie? What did this movie need to be made? No, it really didn't. And in fact, it shouldn't even have been Dark Phoenix. It could have been another movie, another story to use. X Men have a lot of material. I would have rather them try to just tell another story versus actually trying to do Dark Phoenix. If you try to do Dark Phoenix, you have to do it right. Um, it was a C minus attempt. Um, but again, as I said before, it focused too much on the men not enough on the women, not enough on Jean's journey, and it just felt a little flat. However, there were good fight scenes and there was good pieces in it. Um, one thing I also will go back to the fight scene between her and Jessica. There was a part when Jean said, you wanted this power, and it made me think of when um, Jean realized, or the false Jean realized that Mastermind was fooling her all this time. And she told him, you want this power, I'll give you power. And you saw a little bit of that in this movie. So it was, that was kind of a neat playback. There was some callbacks to the comic and what have you, or callbacks to the comic and cartoon for some of you. But um, how would I rate this movie? C minus. I'll be, I'll be nice. C minus. It was not bad, but it wasn't really good either. It's not a movie that I would go see two or three times. In-game, I saw three times. Uh, this movie, I just would see it once, and it'll just, you know, if it's on TV, I, I will have it on as I write. <laughs> but um, it wouldn't be something that I would be running to. Um, as I said before, Storm had some good moments, but I am glad that they will be changing that. And hopefully when the MCU takes over, that they tell other stories in the X-Men world. There are so many other stories, so many other characters that they could really use. And I really hope they really, really think about who should be on the X-Men team, but also what stories to tell, which villains to use. We have seen the same villains and characters for far too long. Um, and I just feel like that hopefully we will get something new and fresh. Um, and I'm glad this chapter is over. I'm glad this, you know, Fox reign is over. We will have something 
totally new to focus on um, because you know, looking back at all the X Men movies, they've always been in a different in a, in a different world. But it just felt, looking back now, it feels lazy for what they've done compared to what we've seen so far with other movies. So hopefully, the MCU will take good care of the X Men once they are truly sat and ready to go over there. But overall, I, as I said before, Dark Phoenix get a C minus for me. Not terrible. Better a lot better than The Last Stand, but they could have done more. They could have done more and they could have had some good care. They could have took some good care with this and give us some characters. Actually, I, I didn't really have a problem with any of the actors. I mean, again, you know, Alexandra, we're no, we're not really big fans of her, but everybody else was really fine. But I, I, I can't wait to see what will happen in the next chapter. Will they be older? Will they be in the middle? Um, and which type of expo they use. So we, my friends and I had some discussions about what we were watching and we realized that in a lot of ways you can say, <laughs> we, had, we had a couple of weird theories. So, you know, since um, basically Days of Future Past created a new world, we made jokes that Days of Future Past actually created the MCU. So therefore, because of that change, we got this. And then a snap is giving us something totally different again. So you can kind of say all those things. But I, I, I realize that um, because of those changes in the, in the days of future past, things just kind of came off a whole lot different. Um, we also made a joke that this is 1992. The X-Men movie, the first X-Men movie was in 2000. So you look at... Michael Fassbender, who is so hot in this movie, my goodness! But you realize eight years later, he's in, he is Sir Elon McKenna. I'm saying his name wrong, but the Magneto that we saw in 2000, he's like, wow! In eight years, he aged that much. So you kind of see, you know, it's interesting to look at that and be like, wow, that's interesting how that whole world is. But again, it's fascinating because I felt like we were looking at some different parts. We were looking at the movie so differently. Like we all had to like really analyze how Mystique died because the way she died in this movie is how she lived in the first X-Men movie. So it's kind of interesting, as I said before, Wolverine stabbed her in that movie, but this time she was kind of stabbed the same way and died. <laughs> so I baby because it is a different universe, who knows? But, you know, this movie was interesting. Not horrible, not the best. Just interesting. All right. Well, let me know what y'all think. Um, I would love to hear what people thought of this movie. Um, I didn't want to tear it apart because it wasn't that bad to tear apart. Um, but it wasn't that good to praise. But I would love to hear your views of it. Um, so thank y'all for listening to me ramble through this. Um, but besides that, um, you know, keep listening to us. Megasheen will be back following week with a new episode. Um, you can follow us on Megasheen Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. <coughs> um, you can follow um, Porter Pizzazz, which is Nick, and you can follow me, Wonder Man 5, on Twitter as well. Um, you know, rate us on iTunes and all the rest of the great places. And we will see you next week.